But Ephesians chapter number five tonight, Ephesians chapter number five. I'm gonna read through it this evening and, and preach through it for a little bit tonight. Uh, and we'll go home this evening and uh, look forward to what the Lord has for us the rest of the week. But verse number one, says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication of all, in all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous person, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, or of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. But ye were sometimes darkness. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with them, or excuse me, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You wonder why we live in a generation where those very things that ought not to be spoke of are, are, are all put on the forefront. They're almost idolized and they're right in our face. Well, preacher, how do they get there? So somebody stopped calling them wrong. Somebody quit standing against them and said that ain't right. But look at verse number 15. So see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in, the, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, uh, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for another opportunity, Lord, just to come together to fellowship, Lord, to catch up. Uh, Lord, to encourage and exhort one another, Lord, just to love on each other this evening, Lord. But we came tonight, Lord, not just to do that, 
But Lord, we came tonight to hear from heaven. We came tonight to say thank you. We came tonight to worship your holy name and to bless you for all the goodness and the great things that you've done in our lives. Lord, we thank you. Lord, for being a God who is above all. Thank you for being the true and holy God, the righteous God, God of heaven and earth. What a blessing it is tonight, Lord, that someone like me, a nobody, a nothing, has a relationship with the very God of heaven. Lord, I thank you tonight. It's not just something I talk about or it's not just something that somebody's told me about, but Lord, it is a personal relationship with you. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your concern for the little things in my life. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd help us to glean from the word of God, Lord, truths that'll help us live in uh, the Christian life, Lord, the way you designed it to be lived. I thank you, Lord, tonight for being so good to us. Thank you for your many blessings. Lord, help us now. We'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Ephesians chapter number five. We've uh, got there now. We're, We're five weeks into this study. And we're going to see here tonight that, and once again, last week, we, we talked about walking worthy, walking worthy of the vocation, that which God has called us to, that which God has placed us in because chapter number one tells us we're in Christ. Chapter number two tells us how we got in Christ. Chapter number three tells us who we are in Christ. We're a prisoner, a partaker, a student, a pupil. And then chapter number four tells us to walk worthy of those things. And then chapter number five piggybacks on top of that. We read a phrase and then we read it in there a few times, walk in, walk in, walk in love, walk in Christ. But you get down to verse number uh, 15 tonight and this is kind of the, the linchpin of the chapter. It all comes through here, it flows through here, so to speak. But chapter number 15 says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And so now we're gonna look at this. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? What, what, is, what is Paul and his person of the Holy Ghost trying to tell us tonight about walking circumspectly. And to be honest with you, I had to look the word up because that's not a word. I mean, I, I remember that word somewhat in math class when we learned the circumference of going around something and, and no doubt, it, but that word circumspectly tonight, it gives us the understanding it means to walk perfectly. Now, let me ask you tonight, in your Christian life, have you been perfect? Well, of course not, preacher. I haven't been anywhere near close perfect, well, nor have I. So in essence, it's not, a, it's not a walk without mistakes, but rather it is that Bible understanding the word perfect that means a mature walk, a, a growing walk, a learned walk, a walk that has, has some knowledge and wisdom behind it. When we see here that we're to walk circumspectly, that also means to walk diligently day in and day out, uh, day after day after day after day. Here's the thing tonight, you and I can only live the Christian life day by day. We can't go back to yesterday, nor can we, can we actually promise anything for sure come tomorrow. Now, I've got plans tomorrow. I've got things that I'm hoping to get, get done and things that I'm going to be at and things I'm going to do, like Good News Club and whatnot. But to be honest with you, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But in the same sense, if God gives me tomorrow, I want to walk like the way he designed me to walk and desires me to walk, to walk diligently, to walk carefully, to walk carefully. We were getting ready for church tonight and I was walking out of our bedroom as Becky turned the lights off and it was dark in there. And normally I'll just walk out. I know where everything is. I, I, I know all that kind of stuff. But she turned the lights out and I had to slow down because I don't, and I end up stepping on, I, t- I still don't know what I stepped on. So hopefully it's all right, whatever it is, because when you put my body weight on certain things, they don't last very long. 
But we see here tonight that we're to walk carefully. In essence, not in fear as one who's walking through a minefield, but one who evaluates and takes the time to step back and analyze and to, 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 to take the time to seek God and to ask God's direction before we take the next. How many of you tonight in your Christian life have ever got ahead of God? You ran out in front of him and said, all right, Lord, here I am, catch up with me. And he said, why don't you just come back here to where I am and we can do this thing together. And so we're to walk circumspectly. Well, preacher, what does that mean? It means to walk carefully, wisely, with wisdom. That's what he says in verse number 15. Not as a fool, but as somebody who is wise. So we see tonight, that's, that's what we should do. We should walk circumspectly. Verse number 16 tonight tells us why we should, why should you and I as believers and Christians walk circumspectly, walk wisely while well, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The greatest thing that you and I can do, that word redeem means to buy back. It means to invest in. It means to, to pay the price of tonight. And the greatest thing that you and I can do with the time that God has given us and the time that is remaining in our life is to walk wisely, to walk circumspectly, to walk in the way that God designed us to walk the Christian life. And why should we do it? Well, because it's the best way to use our time. But verse number 16 gives us another reason why. Why, why should we walk circumspectly? Because the days are evil. We can sit back. It'll, listen, there's probably a day in American society where it took some convincing that the days were evil. But now in 2022, you don't have to look far. Matter of fact, you don't even have to look way out somewhere. You can look within our own, our own community tonight. You can look within our own city and our own state tonight and know that evil is on every single corner. And night, I don't want to stumble into it by accident. I don't want it to catch me. I don't want it to, to, to get its grip on me and to pull me away. And God said in order for you and I to do that in a way that you and I can uh, hedge against that is to walk circumspectly, to walk wisely according to the, 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 the word of God tonight. And so that's why we should do it. And here's what we should do. And verse 17 tells us how we can do it. Right, how many are glad tonight when God tells you and I to do something or commands us or instructs us to do something, he gives us the instructions on how to do it. Now, tonight, I'm glad God in his righteousness could say, hey, do everything right. Walk wisely, but I ain't gonna tell you how to do it. But thankfully tonight, verse number 17, we, we are given the understanding of how to do this. Look at verse number 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Tonight, he has given us everything we need tonight to walk wisely. And not only that we should walk wisely, but it is the will of God for every Christian to walk circumspectly, to walk diligently, to walk carefully in our Christian life tonight. And I believe every Christian can walk circumspectly by looking at the following aspects of what that kind of walk looks like. We looked at it last week, walking worthy. What does that look like tonight? We're going to look at this thought of walking circumspectly. <laughs> Go to work tomorrow, talk to somebody tomorrow, and you say, well, what are you doing while I'm trying to walk circumspectly? They'll say, what does that mean? Well, let me, let, let me show you. Let me tell you. Notice, number one, not a circumspectual walk. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it makes me sound smart. It is a separated walk. It is a separated walk. Look down at verse number one tonight, back at the beginning of the chapter. Paul says, be therefore followers of God as dear to Preacher, I don't see any separation right there. Well, you got to study it out. You got to look at it and realize that in essence, see, see this way tonight, some of you ladies are amazing at this. You can multitask. You can get two to three things done at one time. If I multitask, I'm going to leave six things undone. Right? I'm going to be busy, but I ain't going to accomplish nothing. 
Not only can I not multitask, here's something that none of us can do tonight. Ready? None of us can multi-follow. None of us can multi-follow. In essence, you can't follow one thing and then follow something else at the same time. You can't live your Christian life. That's why the Bible tells us tonight that you cannot hold hands with the world and hold hands with God and expect to end up in the right place. We're no longer of the, yes, we're in it, but we're no longer of the world tonight. I can't love both God and mammon. I can't love both God and the world systems and expect this. There's got to be a separation. And it starts right there, follow God. Right, follow God. How do I separate myself from the world, preacher? Start following God. Right, he will not lead you in the wrong. He will lead you away from the world. Either you're following or you're not. In essence, you can't follow, you can't win, follow the leader if you're not in line following the leader. The same is true in the Christian life. If we're not following God, if we're not following the, the commands and the instructions given us to us in the Bible tonight, if we're not doing what God has laid out for us clearly to do tonight, we cannot step back and say, well, I'm following him. I'm following him. Listen tonight, there's a lot of people that, that'll, that'll, in essence, they think, well, just because I believe, therefore I'm following. No, tonight a following is a purposeful action. It is you and I saying, right, whatever he goes, whatever he says, whatever he does, that's what I'm going to do. But we see here the initial separation, we're gonna follow God. But then verse number two tells us why we should follow God. The inspiration behind it, the encouragement behind it. Look at verse number two. And walk in love. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And so we see tonight, you said, no, preacher, no, 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 no. Love brings everybody together. It's all inclusive. We got to love everybody. And Jesus did say love your neighbor, right? He, he did say love those around you. He did say care for them. But you also have to understand tonight that, that in our, our English language, we have one word for love, right? The same way we look at our, our, our spouse and we look them in their eyes and from the bottom of our heart, we tell, I love you. It's the very same word that when we're at the fast food restaurant and they bring that cheeseburger out in front of us and they say, boy, I, I sure do love this cheeseburger. Now, tonight, do we love those things equally in the same? Of course not, right? I, I'm not going to sacrifice for a cheeseburger like I would my wife. But we see here tonight when you and I love and we, we proclaim to love God, it's not just I love him and then everything else and something's competing for him. Tonight, our love for God ought to be the utmost and the highest amount of love that we have tonight. In essence, if our love for God is where it's supposed to be, then we'll be able to love everybody else correctly. And so we'll see here tonight, in verse number two, he tells us to walk in love. I thought it brought everybody together, but here's the thing. If we love Christ, right, we'll be separated unto him. And the same thing is true when it comes to the husband and wife relationship. If I say I love my wife more than any other woman in the world, then I'm separating myself unto her. And the same is true in our Christian life. We're gonna say, I love God. That is the inspiration of our separation. That I no longer love the things of the world. I no longer love those things that used to tear up my life and, and tear up everything that I had. I no longer love, I love him because he loves me. So we see tonight that the, the initial separation, follow God, the inspiration, walk in love. And then verses three through 14, there's an intentional, intentional separation tonight. There's an intentional next. It's, I, I, I may not be perfect in every area of life, but by the grace of God, here's some things I will not participate in. I have purpose in my heart. I will not go down that road. I will not do those things. And I'm asking God to give me the strength and the help to stay away from them. I'm doing this on 
purpose. There was a saying, and I'll probably get it wrong tonight, that those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Can I say in our Christian life, there's some things, because we know what God says, and, we, and we'll look at it tonight, we know the outcome of it, we ought to purpose in our heart, not tomorrow morning, but tonight, I will not, by the grace of God, go anywhere near those things. There's an intentional separation. Well, what should we on purpose separate ourselves from? Corrupt actions. Look at verses four, excuse me, verses three through four. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you. One time is too much. One time is too much. As become a saint, verse four, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Uh, verse number four, there, there's some people that, listen, it's easy to talk about them. It's easy to, to throw them down. It's easy to put them down. Here's the challenge, learn to give thanks for them. <laughs> Find something that you can thank God for in their life. But now we see right here, corrupt actions, Verse number four tells if you can't thank God while you're doing it, you ought not to do it. If you can't stop in the middle of it and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're letting me do right now at this moment, we ought not to participate in it. In essence, tonight, you, you can't stop in the middle of fornication, in the middle of covetousness, and say, Lord, I want to thank you for what I'm doing right now. If we can't do that, then we ought not to do it. Verse number five tells us if we don't separate from these actions, we're going to live a life that is, that, is, that is lacking purpose and there is no heavenly reward. So look at verse number five. It says there's any, there, that, if those, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous person who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. Or of God. There, is no, there is no reward. There's no inheritance when we participate in those things tonight. It is a separated walk tonight. We ought to separate on purpose from a corrupt actions, but not just actions. How many glad tonight the Bible doesn't just deal with the actions, the Bible deals with your heart. And can I say tonight, to be honest with you, sometimes the actions are easier, easier to stay away from. My heart, my emotions, oftentimes where I struggle, it's what I fight with constantly in my life. But here Paul said, on purpose. There ought to be a, an intentional separation from corrupt attitudes. Look at verse number six. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And be ye not partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord tonight. Here's the thing, bad attitudes, corrupt attitudes, they're built on bad words. They're built on bad phrases. And those vain words, they're unfruitful, they're untrue. They're, they are words that are not right nor of value. And sometimes in our Christian life, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in company with people or in, in a conversation that quickly goes south. And instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to separate myself from this. I'm going to remove myself from this. We sit there and we listen to it and we listen to it. And before we know it, now it's playing on our mind. Now it's playing over and over and over again in our heart. And now what we knew for sure, we're beginning to doubt. We're beginning to question they're built upon vain words. They go against our new nature. Verse number eight through 10 talks about how, yes, we were in darkness. Yes, we were just like that. And yes, we used to be that. But the day I got saved, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of me. God himself now dwells inside. I've got a new nature. I'm a new creature tonight. And therefore, I ought to act differently. 
I ought to walk differently. Verse number nine tells us what that should look like. What kind of attitude, what kind of mental state should we have as believers uh, that are separated from the things of this world and the, 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 the systems of the world? It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. In essence, tonight, we can spend all of our time believing the lies of this world, the vain words that are coming uh, out of this. Listen, I know tonight there's probably some Christians tonight who cannot come into church to worship tonight, cannot come in and give thanks and praise the Lord because simply yesterday it did not go their way. Can I say tonight, I, I listen, <laughs> I voted what I believe to be right, and yes, it upsets me. That, that right, that the right, who I believe to be the right candidate didn't win. But like I reminded you back before the runoff, my God's still on the throne tonight. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to handle all this. It took me by surprise, but it did not take God by surprise. But they go against our nature. Verses seven through 14, or verses seven and 11 through 14, we see the correct act, the corrective or the, the correct actions tonight. What should we do? And how should we act towards these things? Verse number seven tells us don't participate in them. Don't participate in them. For, there, for be not ye therefore partakers with them. In essence, you can't go and hop right into the middle of this stuff and say, all right, everything's fine. Everything's good. No, it's not. Not only that, don't participate. We look at verse number 11, don't associate with them. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Call them out for what they are. And, and tonight, listen, it's one of those, I'm gonna have to eat my own words tonight kind of thing. Because there was a, today there was a conversation that I was in that took a hard left turn in the things I don't believe in. And I, I, I was just trying to get out of it. I was just trying to get back in the car and go home. But what I should have done is said, you know what, that ain't right. That ain't right. Now, it wasn't what we, you and I would call a gross sin or, a, uh, or, or something like that coming out of, out of, out of our, our, the worldly system, but it was something that was unbiblical. And it wasn't right. But you got to learn not just not participate, but don't associate with it tonight. And don't hang around with it, amen? Don't, don't, don't go back towards that, that same crowd that God has brought you out of and, and get closer and closer and closer to them saying, well, I'm getting closer and closer to God. No, if you're getting closer to them, you're getting further away from God. So you got to learn not to participate. Don't associate with it. Verse 12 and 13, don't play around with it. Don't play around. Look at verse number 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. Now listen tonight, I know that men of God and uh, pastors and preachers, they're men at best. They're just like, I, they're made out of the same stuff I am. But can I say tonight, sin ought to never be something that you and I come to the place where we, we think it's funny. We joke about it. Play it down. Because sin is, is listen, we, we think, well, because that's not my sin, then I can joke about that. But can I say tonight, my sin is just as worse as their sin. Right? It's all even across. The, we're, we're not in the Catholic Church tonight. There is not no such thing as sin and little sin. Christ died for all sin. And every sin was the reason why Christ was on the cross tonight. Whether it was your little white lie or your big, big white lie. They're all lies tonight. But don't play around with it. For it's the same even to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is Light tonight, call it out for what, don't play around with it. Don't play around with it. In essence tonight, your Christian walk, your, your separation uh, from this world tonight ought to be as clear as oil and water. We all know tonight that oil and water don't mix. I'll preach, I don't know about that. Go put it in your oil tank in your car. Go, go just put a little bit of water in there. Just a little, just, I mean, a quart, you should be fine. 
Oh, preacher, I ain't doing that. Right, we know that, I mean, I remember doing a science experiment in third grade and the water separated from the oil and, and all those different kind of things. And I remember going through that. And uh, But here's the thing tonight. The only way you can get water and oil to mix for a little bit is you got to shake it all up. And then eventually once it settles, it separates tonight. And here's the thing tonight. You want to live a crazy life? You want to live a life that you're constantly getting tossed to and fro tonight? Try to live a life that, that is following after God and trying to follow the world at the same time. It'll be a, a, a messed up, it'll be a hard life. To let me ask you tonight, are you walking circumspectly as one who is separated from the world? Walk circumspectly, it's a separated walk. Notice number two tonight, it ought to be a sweet walk. It ought to be a sweet walk. Every time I, I said that, I thought about them cakewalks that some people do that you walk around in a circle and you win a cake. That's my kind of game, amen? <laughs> then I don't win a cake and then I get mad. So I go to the store and I buy little Debbie's. <laughs> Christmas tree cakes, amen. That's the last thing I need right now. I need a little Debbie apple. <laughs> Salad. <laughs> it's a, it ought to be a sweet walk. Verse number 18 tonight of uh, Ephesians chapter number five. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 18, it's like, obviously Paul didn't care what the brethren thought. Because the brethren said, oh, you cannot use being drunk with wine as an illustration. I mean, you can't say, that's not a good illustration to use, but you gotta realize Paul's on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In essence, this, this, this illustration given here in verse number 18, is, is a, is a, it helps me and you get the, the actual understanding here because the spirit-filled life for the Christian is similar in the outcome and similar in the way of somebody who's under the influence of alcohol because we all know tonight when you have too much or you drink, you change. You become somebody who you're normally not. And you would ask some people, and they, well, some people become criers, some people become anger angry, some people become sentimental, all those different kind of things. They come under the influence of it tonight. But here's the thing, when you and I also are, instead of not being drunk with wine, we allow the Holy Spirit to influence us, to guide us and direct us, we become a different person. We become who God created us to be, what God desires out of our life. But here's the thing, now, well, why would Paul do it? Well, both of those are a choice, right? Me and you as Christians are gonna to have to make the choice to let the Spirit of God guide us and direct us. He's not just going to grab you and force you. And the same is true when it comes to drinking alcohol or, or being drunk. That's a choice. Every sin is a choice tonight. Every sin is a choice. But notice this, both of these cause you to let loose of control. That's why a man or a woman cannot drink and drive because you're not able to control yourself like you normally do. And the same is true when it comes to a Christian. If me and you are going to let the Spirit of God lead our lives, guess who's got to let go of control? I do. Because if I'm controlling my life, the longer is the Holy Spirit controlling my life and guiding me and directing me in life. Both cause you to lose control. Both cause you to be different, become a different person. And tonight, to be honest with you, I want to live a life that is one that is marked by one who is full and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me tonight. He's always there. He's a present help. He's, he's that seal into the day of redemption. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. But when it, we talk about the word being filled with the Holy Spirit, 
Sometimes it's been hijacked and it's been made to be something that it's not. But what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that you've got yourself out of the way and you're letting God control. You're letting God do as he pleases in your life. It's less of you and more of him. Well, preacher, how can it be a sweet walk? Well, it takes personal encouragement. It takes personal. Look at verse number 19. Expect the preacher to fix all your problems. Expect the preacher's message to be the thing that helps you. Expect the singers to sing the song perfectly. What's it say right there in verse number 19? Speaking to yourselves. In essence, tonight, there's gonna, if you're going to have a sweet walk with God, it's going to take more than three sermons and, and, and songs during the week. It's going to take you speaking to yourself. Preaching, that means I'm crazy. No, that means you're doing what the Bible told you to do. <laughs> speaking to yourselves. You ever, you ever talk to yourself? I do all the time, amen. Become, become a preacher. You'll talk to yourself. You're talking to fake, fake churches all the time. <laughs> fake, fake congregations all the time. Well, I preach some wonderful messages that nobody's ever heard between me, the Lord, and the pretend church. And 17 got saved that last time I did it. It was amazing. <laughs> but notice here, personal encouragement. Well, what, what are we supposed to talk to ourselves about? Here's the thing tonight. The truth of the matter is here, we all, we all talk to ourselves, whether we like to admit it or not. But how we talk to ourselves makes a big difference in our life. What we say to ourselves. Think about the prodigal son. I mentioned him, I think, Sunday. The Bible said he came unto himself. When he began to talk to himself. Boy, I had it better at daddy's house. Daddy sure did take care of me. Daddy loved me unconditionally. He began to talk to himself. And through his talking, he encouraged himself to get out of where he was and go back to his father's house. And the same thing is true in our, what we talk to ourselves about will, will, will help us encourage ourselves. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, what can we use? How can we talk to ourselves? See, God could have stopped verse number 19, speak to yourself, and we wouldn't know what to say. Right? But he goes on to say, well, here's the first thing, speaking to yourselves in Psalms. Psalms, preacher, what is that? Well, there's 150 of them in your Bible. Now, there's some that'll say, well, that means songs, and no doubt it is. But listen tonight, you can go read Psalms 1 through 150. I love the book of Psalms. I absolutely love it tonight. I, I've been sending out my devotions through the book of Psalms. I, it's because it's so raw, it's so real. It's just, it's just David and men pouring out their hearts before God. And the truth of the matter is tonight, those aren't just things that, that sound good, almost little poems. Those are literal songs, but they're also prayers. You can pray the book of Psalms. And ask for the very same things that God, David asked God for. But encourage yourself. Read them, sing them, pray them. Learn them. Psalm, hymns. Boy, I tell you what, I enjoyed the hymns tonight. I enjoyed the hymns tonight. Now, so, you know, I love old-time, old-fashioned, you know, I love old-time, old-fashioned religion tonight. But I'm also not naive to think that Amazing Grace was written by King David. But I understand that there's some songs that come out and, and now we call them old time, but at one point they were contemporary. They were new. And I think there's some songs that have come out in the past few years, past few years that are absolutely wonderful. They're good songs. But tonight, well, what, what is the difference between a song and a hymn tonight? Normally a hymn sang together. It's sang as a body of believers right there before Jesus headed to Calvary at the, at the Last Supper. They said they got done and they sang a hymn. They sang it together. It is a song that helps us to prepare one for the preaching of God's word, but points our hearts to worship. 
But there was something about it tonight where everybody was just singing together. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's something like when you just hear it. You can't replace it. I don't want to go to a smoke show in a, in a concert. I don't want to go to those things because you can't replace him singing. Can't replace the body of believers coming together, singing together. But sing a hymn to yourself, amen? Listen, I can't hear you when you're singing to yourself. And praise God, you can't hear me either. Spiritual songs, scriptural, sincere, spiritual songs tonight. It lines up with the word of God. Now, there's been a lot of songs that have come out in the Southern Gospel, this, that, and there. I wouldn't call them bad songs, but I wouldn't definitely call them spiritual songs. There was a song, I remember years, I don't know, it was a few years ago it came out. It was called Sitting on Top of the World. And it was a pretty song. It was a good story. But when it's all said and done, I thought, I don't feel like worshiping the Lord. <laughs> it didn't move me to, to tears or to praise. Why? Because the whole song was about a couple sitting on top of a Ferris wheel and looking at everybody that was walking by. It was a good song, told a good story. But tonight, a spiritual song. And here's the thing tonight, you don't have to question spiritual songs. They, we say, I say it this way. There's some songs that got the juice on them. And there's some songs that don't. And them songs that got the juice on them, typically they're wrote from somebody's heart who's gone through something great, who's gone through some trial of affliction. And in the midst of that, God stepped back and God gave them a song. God let them write the words of it. Now, it's not inspired like the word of God tonight, but God reminds them and takes them down. Kyla Rowland was a blessing. Tremendous songwriter. And I, I remember Miss Becky's got that video of her, how she wrote some of those songs. And so when she got done testifying about how God gave her some, I was ready to run. Uh, God saves old sinners. The song that Miss Kyla Rowland wrote. And it was about a little, a little janitor lady in the school that her brother had taught in who had denied and denied and denied and, and pushed away the gospel and just came one day into her brother's office and said, I'm done, I need to get saved by the grace of God. And she said, I'm glad that God would save somebody like me. Miss Kyla Rowland wrote the song, God Saves Old Sinners. We sing it here. It had me glad tonight that God saves old sinners. Boy, get you a song tonight. Get you a song that you can sing to yourself. You don't need a good voice, just a willing heart. It takes personal encouragement. Get in the word of God. Sing songs to yourself. Speak to yourself. But then verse number 20, it also takes personal thanksgiving. Preacher, we just had that. I understand that, but look at verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All things, all the time, to the Almighty God. Preacher, how can I do that? Well, look what it says right in verse number 20. In, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say there's some things in my life that hurt? There's some things in my life that were painful that I didn't enjoy in the moment, but because I'm in Christ and through Christ tonight, I can step back and say, well, I can see what God was doing there. I can see how God was beginning to work in those situations. And so really, in all actuality, as a born-again believer in Christ, I can give thanks for everything. And I can give it all the time. Tonight, it ought to be a sweet walk. Let me ask you tonight, is your walk with Christ a sweet one? Is it one that you enjoy, one that you look forward to every day? It ought to be a separated walk. It ought to be a sweet walk. Then notice number three tonight, it ought to be a submissive walk. It ought to be a submissive walk. Verse 21 through 33, we, we read it out. I love verse number 32. This is a great mystery. What's Paul been talking about? Marriage. <laughs> How many of us tonight can say, well, yeah, marriage is a great mystery. <laughs> How many of y'all still trying to figure it all out, amen? Amen. It's a great mystery, y'all. It's a great mystery. 
I don't have all the answers, but I have enjoyed what I found out so far. <laughs> but really, Paul wasn't talking necessarily about marriage. He was talking about a man and a woman becoming one flesh, just like a Christian who gets saved by the grace of God. Now God indwells them, and they are one. Paul said, that's a great mystery. It was a great mystery to Paul. It was a great mystery to the Jews how the very God that has led them through the wilderness, down through, out of Egypt, and all of that, how that same God who met with them in the tabernacle in the temple now dwells inside of man. And not just the Jews, but now the Gentiles can claim that too. It was a great mystery to them. And it's a great mystery that Christ in you, the hope of glory. But here, and don't get too nervous tonight, we're not going to deal with this stuff in a practical sense because Paul says it right there uh, in verse number uh, 32. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Now, when we get uh, Saturday and, and we get to Sunday, our Sunday evening services, we'll be dealing with a relationship. We'll deal with this in a practical sense. What does this look like in a relationship between a man and his wife and a wife and, his, and her husband? Tonight? What does that look like? But Paul, in essence, Paul wasn't giving marriage advice here. Paul was trying to get them to understand our relationship in Christ. What does that look like? And it looks like a submissive one. It looks like one where we bend our will toward God and God uses us and blesses us. We see tonight that it is a submissive walk. Notice verse number 22 and verse number 24 tells us there's only one as a born-again believer when it comes to, to this essence. There's only one that we actually uh, need to make sure we're submitting to because if we submit to him, then submission will, will carry down to the rest of the way tonight. Verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Then you get down to verse number 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I, I, it's always interesting that you, Paul had to clarify, submit to your own husband. But we see here tonight that, that in essence, when you and I submit to Christ and we, we are a willing, submissive uh, child of God. In essence, he, he's not having to beat us till the smoke alarm comes off to get us in place, but rather we come to him and we say, I say, Lord, here I am, I'm yours. When we submit ourselves to Christ, the rest of that submission can take place. But no, we see tonight, when we submit, here's some reasons why. Why should I submit to God? Verse 23, he satisfies me. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. I'm glad tonight we know who the savior is that we've been saved by the grace of God. Well, preacher, there's some things going on and there's things happening. I understand tonight because there's things happening in my life too. But to say tonight, that, that, can I say tonight, in spite of all that, I'm still satisfied. Why? I'm not going to hell tonight. I can stand before a casket and tell people that I know, that I know, that I know where I'm gonna go when I die. He satisfies me tonight. I submit to him because of what he's done for me. But notice this, verse number 25, his sacrifice for me. It says, husband loves your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, aren't you glad tonight that Jesus laid down his life for you? If he was willing to submit to the will of God for you and I tonight, then we ought to be willing to submit to him. We say, sacrifice, he satisfies me. Notice this tonight, he sanctifies me. Look at verse number 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. What is he talking about? He's talking about the church. Well, aren't you glad tonight God not only loved you enough that he saved you, but he loved you enough that in spite of your failures after your salvation, he's still willing to work on you. He's still willing to work with you. He's not throwing the clay away, but rather he's saying, oh, listen, we've messed up. you've messed up, you've done wrong, get it right with me and we can grow from here. So we see not only does he satisfy me, he sanctifies me, his sacrifice for me. But look at verse number 27. He identifies with me. Then he might present to it to himself, a glorious church, having spot 
not, or not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, that he might present it to himself. You ever read that and thought, what in the world is that going to look like? <laughs> when God presents us to God, <laughs> here he is. Oh, he sure is good. And, and there's this, he's willing to identify with you and I tonight. He's willing to say, this is my bride. These are my children. That is my church. That is my body. And I sure do love it. We see tonight we all submit because he identifies with us. Presents it to himself in verse number 28. Verse number 33, he's done his part. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Tonight, I don't think any of us doubt that God loves us. Just like the husband ought to love his wife. And when the, that love is right, what is the wife's responsibility? She reverence her husband. And tonight, when we know that God loves us and Jesus loves us tonight, we only have one real, real choice in the matter. The right choice is to submit to him. To have a submissive walk to him. In essence, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want, that's what I'm willing to do. Now, sometimes I struggle with this because I grew up on WWF and WWE. I didn't watch WWE, WCW, wrestling. I grew up on that stuff. I can still remember the first wrestling match I ever seen was Crispin Wall versus the, Walk, the Rock. And he jumped off the top of the cage and headbutted him. I was hooked. <clears throat> Me and my brother practiced it on each other. And it's, just, it's a miracle that I'm still alive because I was little. I was the smaller of the two brothers. And so I got picked to get power bombed and pile drived. But I remember watching those guys that get in the ring and one of them would go into submission mode. He'd grab that guy's ankle, that gra gra grab that guy's arm, and he'd begin to twist it and twist it and twist it or pull it and yank it, trying to get the other man to tap out. To say, I quit, I'm done. I am submitting to your strength and to your power. I think sometimes that's how we approach submission in the Christian life. We fight God and we fight God and we fight God and we fight God. In essence, and God just keep, you know, and God's that perfect. He's not going to force us tonight, and so we fight it, we fight it, we fight it. When really it's just all to be just, Lord, you've been so good to me. Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, Lord, I'm yours because of what you've done for me. Let me ask you tonight: Does your submission to Christ look like what the Bible teaches, or does it look like a wrestling match, where God constantly is asking you and and begging you and pleading with you, and you just keep telling Him no? No, 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 no. Listen, we ain't got much time left. We ought to redeem the time. Use it wisely. We ought to walk circumspectly, and that's going to take you and I being submitted and submissive to the Lord tonight. Is our walk a submissive one? Is it a sweet one? It is a separated one. Tonight, listen, time's running out. It is, time, it is beyond high time for you and I to walk circumspectly, to walk wisely in the world that we're now living in. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you.